You are listening to the Sports CDP Crash Course, your go-to podcast for all things sports related. We talk about how sports clubs and teams can sell more tickets and merchandise than ever before and how they can negotiate sponsorship agreements of higher value. We also champion women's sports and discuss how data and innovation can help bring equality to the sports industry. We have interviewed industry leaders who have worked with the likes of the NFL, FC Barcelona, Women in Football UK, FIBA, the Davis Cup, just to name a few. So don't miss out. Listen to today's episode. Our next guest took a leap of faith when she left her 10-year career in the travel industry to pursue a career in football. And as fate would have it, she received a full scholarship to study at Liverpool University in order to prepare herself for her dream career. Emma Clark is now a commercial manager and brand agent and has worked with the likes of the Association of Sporting Directors and PT Sport Suite. And today we get to sit down with Emma and talk about her journey in the sports industry thus far. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Hi Lorraine, thanks for having me. Before we begin, we'd like to start off our sessions with an icebreaker. Are you ready for that? Yes. What's your favourite quote, expression or motto and why is it your favourite? My favourite quote is, always believe something wonderful can happen because there needs to be more joy in the world and wonderful things can happen every single day and and you know I've experienced that quite a lot um so yeah that's my quote and it's so perfect for today's day and age where anxiety all of us struggle with some form of anxiety so kind of flipping that and always expecting something positive to happen is is a great motto to to live by thank you but um, how incredible is it that just when you decided to follow your dreams and kind of pursue your dream career, that everything began to line up for you and sort of push you in the direction that you wanted to go in? So um, can you tell us a little bit about that journey from deciding to switch careers to where you are now? When I decided to leave the airport, you know, I had a lot going on personally in my life and I didn't have a career plan. I didn't I didn't know where I was going. I was in education, so I knew I wanted to take that route. I just wasn't really sure of, of where to go. So I'd joined a rowing team because I'd always wanted to row a boat and just being around different types of people and having their influence, that kind of guided me to the sports development at staffs. So I had quite a hard time, you know, getting onto that course because I was older. Everybody in the class was born the year I left school. So, you know, there was some barriers between age and, and, you know, the fact that I had kids and would I be able to cope with this workload. But I decided to have a five-year plan and sport was the avenue that I was going to go down Initially, it was to be a PE teacher, and that that changed quite fast, as I knew it's such a great job to be around kids, but I wanted to have more of an impact in people's lives and 
there's lots of restrictions at schools and there's government guidelines and rules so it's quite hard you can be in have a positive force in children's life but there's only so much you can do to a certain extent so i kind of went blindly after that and didn't know what i wanted to do and the dissertation took me down the sports psychology route and i then decided i wanted to do a sports psychology masters but i'd missed missed the um the cutoff so lots of things were happening to make everything fall into place and from the outside it probably looked like everything was working out you know it was just such an easy road to go down and that wasn't the case although everything did fall into place and happened when it was supposed to it was a lot of hard work it was nine to fives in unis there was no days off there was night school me and the kids would be out of the house for half seven in the morning we wouldn't be getting back until 10 a.m 10 p.m at night you know it was it was a hard hard slog but I knew that I wanted to do something in sports and I just wasn't going to let anything stop me. And then I literally fell into the football industries MBA. And as soon as I seen the course, I was like, I need to do this. You know, it, it, this is for me. And then a week before the, the course was supposed to start, I got offered the scholarship off women in football, which was an absolute lifesaver you know it was costly to do this course and I couldn't work because I had the kids to look after and uni was so constant so that that changed everything and then I remember sitting in Brett we called it it was like our auditorium and this is so different to undergrads and Elizabeth the the program leader she was talking and i was like so in awe but then the imposter syndrome started to creep in and i was just like oh my god like can i do this and yeah that's when the journey of the, the mba started speaking of the imposter syndrome i know that when we first met we met at an event in germany spobiz um, that was sort of one of the first things that we spoke about that um, in your experience you've had to sort of elbow your way into rooms and kind of fight to be heard and really hold your own and um, so, so let's talk a little bit more about that like how how have you managed to deal with imposter syndrome and how have you managed to kind of hold your own in an industry that's mostly male dominated I mean it's 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 been hard and it hasn't been at the same time and when i was on the mba somebody said to me you know don't take this the wrong way but why are you here and the flood of emotion inside me at that point was like oh my god i shouldn't be here like they know i shouldn't be here and they obviously seen the panic on my face and was like it's it's just a question you know don't take anything from it and I just said because I want more in my life and he, his reply to me was you generally see people in communities they go and work in factories or the airport and they never really get out of that industry it's like they're stuck in there it's like kind of like a societal thing and not many people break away and he's like 
in society, you aren't supposed to be here. And I went back home and I, I wrote that in the middle of a, a piece of paper and then I spiderwebbed it and I thought, you know, I'm going to write a book around this one day. So after the course, obviously, because um, when you go on to events and you get invited to stuff when you're on the MBA, you don't feel as much pressure because, you know, you're still learning quite a lot about the industry and how things work. It was after COVID when I was meeting people in person and I'd be, I was at a, an event and I was literally the only woman there out of 149 men and you know this is an industry that has so much history and and these men know each other they you know they've got stuff to talk about and I was literally squeezing myself into these round circles and I was like hello and inside I was like oh I don't want to do that but I'm in the room I've got the opportunity and I do have stuff to say that I feel adds value but also in the back of my head, I'm thinking they're going to be like, who is she? Does she even know what she's talking about? You know, you have them doubts. And I think it's a burden women carry throughout their life. It's just a natural thing that happens to them. So then on a on a practical level, if somebody is experiencing that imposter syndrome or they're in a room and they are the only one, um, particularly women, um, what advice would you give them on a practical level of how they can navigate that space, how they can navigate the imposter syndrome or move around a room and still feel heard and sort of own? Um, yeah. I think you just have to take a step back, analyse what's in front of you and, you know, take a deep breath and, and just say to yourself, you know, I've got this and, I'm not in this room by accident. I do have something to say. And then it, it is largely confidence of, of going up to people and introducing yourself and, you know, also asking them questions about their self. And, you know, they could be feeling exactly the same way as you just because, you know, they're, they're, they're men. It doesn't mean that they don't get imposter syndrome. So I think once you settle into it, you know, it becomes a lot easier and you do have to keep telling yourself you're not there by accident. There's a reason you're in that room, you know, and I think it, it becomes a lot more easier. Once you start focusing on what's going on inside you internally and thinking of the positives, you can then move past the imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Fantastic tips right there. And moving past university now, um, now into your career where you have you you're working as a commercial manager and a brand agent what has been the highlight of your career so far I mean after COVID obviously we were stuck in and I'd been networking so hard speaking with brands athletes and you know there's there's a lot of perks in this industry that you get to enjoy and it kind of outweighs all the hard work and you know the hard slog it you have something to show for it when you get to go and celebrate at awards evenings with, with people that you've become friends with in the industry and I think going to the sports industry awards for me it was a highlight just because of the people in the room and the magnificent 
achievements they'd achieved by winning these awards and actually made me think to myself wow what what am i doing like i need to step my game up and it's great that women in football are really putting a stamp on things and they they're making more strides and, and continuing the growth of women's football and women's sports in other areas and you know little by little you just not not picking the post but you know you 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 you're moving it so it you're making an impact on women's football and other sports and then obviously that leads down to women in football who aren't playing sports who are in the professional areas so i think for me to be around those types of people who can influence me inspire me I, I just find that amazing. And then also, you know, the people I get to speak to on a daily basis, I have to pinch myself sometimes. It's so crazy because it's only been two years since I started on the actual career path and left the education behind. And speaking of impact, what are you hoping to achieve in your career in the near future? For my career, I'd love to end up on the front of Forbes as one of the most influential agents who has produced some of the most iconic sponsorship pairings, you know, in women and men's and not just football, just across sport, and also helping um, women achieve what they want to achieve, you know, maybe some TED Talks, motivational speaking and and then just doing the absolute best for my clients and knowing that they can trust me and I'm genuine and I'm authentic and building their careers alongside mine. It's it's such an exciting path to be on. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And for any stakeholders out there, such as sports organisations, what do you think that they can do to allow for impact in women's sports to be made a bit quicker so how can they facilitate sort of changes in the sports industry that will allow women to flourish um, and just accelerate the game it's kind of hard with men's football because you know it's got historically 150 years worth of baggage so you've got the women's game which is more flexible you can do more with it and I think in a business sense they have to allow for you know the opinions and ideas in the women's sport that isn't necessarily piggybacking off the men's because the the rules are technically different there's there's not so many restrictions so just allowing the new ideas and you know the freshness of of what's happening in women's football at the minute and kind of you know keep that memento going and you know fight for it to happen even when there's no tournaments coming up or you know it's a big year in women for women in football with the world cup you know after that keep the memento up it can't just stop and talking about a big year uh, for women's sports what trends have you seen or what changes have you seen within the industry that are making you very optimistic about the future of women's sports I think the TV coverage is a massive thing. You know, not everyone can get to a match, and people would generally say you're not a fan if you can't get if you can't get to the stadium. But I disagree with that because everybody has different circumstances. So I think the broadcasting's massive. 
and then also filling stadiums because women's football is magnificent to watch you know I don't know if you've ever been to a game but like it's captivating I like it more than the men's obviously you know they're filling out these stadiums which then equates to the commercial value coming in because you're getting the eyeballs you know bums on seats so it can grow but it does have to have that investment and you know the investment's got to be attached to something tangible and I think the growth and the tournaments that are coming up you know that's going to provide for that and then you've got more you you're hearing more from female footballers not and then across the board with other female athletes finding their voice and putting more out into the world and I think that's so inspiring absolutely and I'm just curious outside of more investment for example what what other problems and challenges do you think that we need to sort of get rid of in order to make sure that women's sports are thriving because yes investment increasing your investment that will really help but what other challenges have you noticed that you wish that would be addressed like asap i think behind the scenes probably are not the public doesn't really know about things like player care and you know what kind of rehabilitation the girls are getting what kinds of support they're getting obviously they don't the budget's smaller so they work with what they've got but i think more investment into the mental health of the girls so from the mental health aspect so making sure the girls have got what they need the correct gym do they have the correct gym facilities you know everything the men need to perform every week the girls should have the same yeah i mean absolutely and and such a shame that you hear about um i remember particularly in the us it was um I guess the US are very vocal, so most of the time you hear these issues coming up in 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 the US. But essentially, that the gym, like the women's basketball gym, like it was nothing compared to the men's. Like they were having to share like limited equipment and all that kind of stuff. So I completely agree with you when you say that just getting facilities is on par with with the men's, you know, and just getting them like fit for use in that sense. Yeah, and also let letting them use the stadium as well. That the same the same stadium that the men's use. I think, you know, if you really get to know your fans, you can kind of create a a fan day out, like a family day out. We, it's a massive gap in the UK. We don't do the fan day experience as well as the Americans. But then people will argue our historical, you know, history of football isn't isn't that. It's people go in the pub. They go to the match and then they go home. And I think, you know, the women's game isn't as restricted as the men. So you can you can kind of test these things out with the women's because it's not really going to be detrimental to them. If it fails, it fails. If it works, then, you know, even better. I've noticed from going to football games abroad, it's such a massive family affair. And I was... In Italy, at a game, and you know there was two, I'm going to say 80, 70, 80 year old women just gone the match by themselves, and I was just like, I love that. Like you, you don't really see that in the UK, and then you know just scattered um, families everywhere, and it's a day off for them. They love it. No, absolutely, and just like you, you, you said at the beginning, 
it's all about being open-minded and being open to new ideas and sort of taking them on and experimenting if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't but kind of experimenting instead of being closed off to to ideas yeah and it's a hard thing to do in football but i think little by little the more you push the more it will change and it can only provide good outcomes and um are you working on anything exciting that you think our listeners should check out well i'm a board member with nicole for her company Saros as you know and I I speak with Nicole constantly about how you know we can progress about in the research of keeping young girls in sport and how to educate parents coaches and and the athletes themselves so I'll be carrying on with that I'm also going to be working with an agency called RXS Sports on sponsorship portfolios for for clubs so I'll be spending a lot of time working with clubs, looking for the right sponsorships and, you know, how can you really resonate with your fans to go and find um, a meaningful sponsorship? Because I think it's better than just putting a deal on the table that has monetary value. I feel like the fans deserve more and need more. And I think if you find a sponsorship or a brand that's willing to to do that, it you know, it has great impact. So I'll be doing that and some more events up and coming in the future. And yeah, more consulting, just just go, 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 really. And obviously, yeah, speaking to you a lot and with Data Talks is what you guys have got going on is amazing. And, you know, congratulations on, on the partnership with the Lewis Football Club. Thank you so much. It's it's one that we're very, very proud of because... Um, I think Lewis FC stands for so much of what we want to see reflected yeah. in the industry and to be able to to sort of work with with a club like that is absolutely fantastic and uh, yeah it's, it's we're very proud of it and uh, we're doing more we're going to be doing more and uh, finally what advice would you give someone who has had to struggle to to have their voice heard in the sports industry what do you want to say to them I think you just need to keep on going and focus on, you know, the narrative that you're trying to put out there and, and why why you're wanting to have a voice. You know, you, you impact so many people that you probably don't even know about. And you, one conversation could change somebody's life or they could hear you on a podcast. And, you know, there's so many doubts put in, in women's minds of, oh, you've got kids, or you you can't leave your job, you can't do that. It's, it's always you can't, you can't, you can't. And for me, I'm a person who's, well, I will show you that I can. And there just needs to be more celebration of people. Even when they say they want to do the most ridiculous thing, you know, celebrate that. It, it, it's not your journey, it's theirs. And I think you need to block out all the noise and just focus on on what it is you want to achieve in life. And like you said right at the beginning, always believe something positive is going to happen, right? Absolutely. Like, honestly, the last two years, it's been a dream for me. It's been hard work, but I've persisted and I've come into an industry where nobody knows me. I had one friend who works in the football industry and now I have a vast network of people that I could go to to advice or, you know, we could work together and that stands for a lot because 
that's just off conversations with people and it put, I put out into the world you know this is who I am and it's well received I'd like to think it's well received anyway or you know people come to me with sponsorship in portfolios and they're like what can you do with that Emma and you know that's their business that's that's what they're putting out into the world they don't just give that to anyone so that that's that's nice and where can people find you if they want to connect with you I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. I get a lot of LinkedIn requests to speak to students, which, you know, I always give that time because it can be hard when you're really on at the beginning of your networking journey. It's not that easy for some people. So, yeah, just try and give them advice. But I, I think <laughs> you can Google me. <laughs> I'm out there. <laughs> okay and of course we will provide all the links to um, your LinkedIn your Instagram and all other places but Emma thank you so very much for being generous with your time and with yourself and coming to share your story about navigating the sports industry it's been a total pleasure talking to you oh no the pleasure is all mine thank you for having me and I look forward to the future and see what can happen if your goal is to get more supporters, superior sales and real revenue, then visit our website at datatalks.se and fill out our demo form to experience firsthand how we can help you. Data Talks, more supporters, superior sales, real revenue.